we have the opportunity today to talk about vision. And it's always good. I like having this um, kind of, the, you know, the last Sunday of the year uh, to just sort of cast some vision for the year ahead. And perhaps you remember last year about this time, just, you know, early into the year, maybe the first or second Sunday, um, I, I did a similar thing, but I did it in, in the context of a message where I emphasized um, staying in your lane, sort of discovering uh, God's call upon your life, and then, you know, then just basically living in that. And, and I emphasized that staying in your lane idea. Well, you know, it was interesting because that was what I was sharing with you was a word that God had really given to me. I just sensed really strongly as the year was winding down last year and as we were entering into the new season that, you know, it was one of those times where it was just a strong impression on me. I had read, I think I, I mentioned that I had actually read uh, uh somebody had tweeted this whole idea of staying in your lane, but God really used it to speak to me. And so this past year, it has been so interesting to see how that was really kind of a word from the Lord for the year, not just for me, but for many others in different contexts as I, you know, traveled different places and met with different people and sat with different pastors and prayed and so forth. Um, you know, as I would share that same thing, I had numerous guys throughout the year come back and say, you know, that was God's word for me. And, and so it was one of those, like a prophetic sort of a word, you know, that the Lord gave. And just a few months ago, it was back as, as uh, I think summer was ending or we were, we were into the autumn season and I think it was around the time we went back to the UK to do the, um, the Scottish outreach and, and, and then off to the Middle East and all of that. You know, I had this moment where, again, it was kind of like a revelatory moment where the Lord showed me and it, and it began and, and then it sort of built through the year, but it began back in February when I took a trip to Budapest and we were there in Budapest and we were there for a transition uh, celebration because the church in Budapest was, was now going to go from uh, what, what had been you know, planted by a missionary, pastored by two different missionaries over the past couple of decades. The church was being passed off to the, an all basically national Hungarian team. And as we were there and as we were celebrating that transition, as Phil Metzger was, was coming back to the U.S. and as uh, Yanni was, was stepping in as the pastor of the church. And then many other things throughout the year, catching back up to where I was before I went back to February. Um, but, you know, the Lord, the Lord just was impressing on my heart how important it is to just keep moving forward and just to do the thing that God sets in front of you 
And, you know, there's a lot of things we don't have to even figure out or, or so much worry about. All we really have to do is just keep doing what God calls us to do. And this is the main point that I want to make here in this very long introduction that I'm giving you. <laughs> the main point is the Lord just, this is kind of what the Lord spoke to me at the end of this year about that whole stay in your lane thing. As we just kind of just put one foot in front of the other in obedience to the Lord, and we don't even necessarily know where we're going, one day, here's what will happen. And this is what happened to me this year. It's like I looked back behind me and there was all of this fruit that had been born. You know, it was like ahead of me, it was just like a barren, um, you know, just, just sort of like barren ground. And you're just, you're just sort of trudging along. You're putting one foot in front of the other. You don't really know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. And, and then you get to a certain point and you turn and you look behind you and there's all of these beautiful fields of, of grain. And, and that's what the Lord showed me. 30, almost 30 years ago, we put our one foot in front of the other and ventured into Eastern Europe, having no idea what God's plan really was. Having no um, idea at all that there was really a, a big picture plan to plant a couple hundred churches in that part of the world. Had no idea that that was a plan at the time, but knew that we were supposed to just move in that direction. And so, so this year, the Lord just gave me this, what, what for me personally was a blessing to, to be able to just sort of do that, just look back and, and see all the fruit that has come over the two or three decades now. And so I just want to encourage you with that, um, just as that word last year of, you know, staying in your lane, and I know for some of you that was significant as well, um, I'm, I'm praying that what I want to share today is a similar kind of a word, that it's a prophetic word, that it's a word that God is as speaking to us congregationally, because we are a congregation, we are a family, we are a, a unit, and yet also what God would speak to us personally. And so as we stand here on the threshold of a new year, I want to just use three uh, pictures of what I believe we need to, to really understand as we go into the new year for us as a church. And they are simply this. I'll give us a three up front and then I'll go over each one. That we are, number one, a Jesus church. So the, these, are, these three points are going to define who we are. So we are, number one, a Jesus church. Number two, we are a kingdom-minded church. And number three, we are a great commission church. So if, if I could just kind of, you know, lay out a vision, what is the, the ethos? What, what is the, you know, the the essence of, of what we are as a church. This is what 
I would say. We are, first of all, a Jesus church. And because we're a Jesus church, we know that Jesus um, was all about God's word, right? I mean, Jesus is the living word who becomes flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So as a Jesus church, we're going to be all about the word of God. And it was Jesus himself who said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what I want to just state, I think it's probably obvious from the way we conduct ourselves, but let me just state it publicly. Uh, We are committed to God's word. We are committed to preaching it, to teaching it, to reading it, to discussing it, and to applying God's word to all of our lives, from the youngest among us to the oldest among us. And, and all of our ministries, whatever they are, they have that as the foundation to them. And there's different ways that, that manifest itself, but, but that's the undergirding thing. That's the foundational thing. The foundational thing for our church is God's word, the, the, the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the scriptures. Uh, this, this past year, we introduced a new curriculum for the children's ministry uh, called the Gospel Project, a fantastic uh, children's ministry tool that will help equip our kids, your kids, your grandkids, uh, help equip them in the Word of God. So, so whether it be, you know, they're in the children's ministry or with the, uh, the Vintage Fellowship, the senior group, we're committed to God's word. So everything we do, as I said, is in some way connected back to our conviction that the written word keeps us under the authority and guidance of the living word who is Jesus. So as a Jesus church, we're all about God's word because Jesus was about God's word. As a Jesus church, we want to love like Jesus loves. You know, this, this whole thing of, uh, of, of Christian love, I mean, this is so prevalent in the scriptures, isn't it? Over and over again, we are exhorted to love one another. Jesus said himself, he said, love one another as I have loved you. And then he said, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so we want to see a culture of love continue to grow and develop here where anyone and everyone who comes through the doors and makes this place their home is both a receiver of God's love and a conduit for God's love. Because, you know, love is that 
is that, it's that tangible thing that really gives people the sense that God is with us. You know, when you, when you walk into a place and that atmosphere is thick with the, the love of God, man, it's just, there's nothing like it. And that's what we want to be. That's what a Jesus church will be, be a place that's filled with love. So we want to continue to, to grow. We want to continue to cultivate that love amongst ourselves. And as a Jesus church, we're going to inevitably be a church full of servants because Jesus was, of course, the Lord's servant. And he's calling us uh, as his disciples to follow in his steps. And let me just read a passage that I think many of us are familiar with. But in Mark 10, 45, we read, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So as a Jesus church, we're going to be about the word of God. As a Jesus church, we're going to be uh, dwelling in an environment of love. As a Jesus church, the church is going to be made up of servants. Now, think just for one quick moment about the word servant. It's a popular Bible word, but it's certainly not a popular word in the culture. I mean, who in the culture is aspiring to be a servant? No, everybody in the culture wants to be the boss. I want to be on top. I want to be in charge. I want to be running the show. I want to be telling other people what to do. I want other people serving me. Now, sometimes that attitude creeps into the church. But it should not be the case. It can't be the case. Jesus is our great example. And, and remember, in that context there of Mark chapter 10, which we'll get to as we continue our journey through Mark, Jesus says, now, I'll paraphrase it, but he says, look at the Gentiles. This is how the Gentiles determine who's great and who's not. Among the Gentiles, the great ones are the ones who rule over everybody else. The Gentiles is a term in that context for the unbelievers. But what does Jesus say? He said, it shall not be so among you. But he that would be the greatest, or she that would be the greatest, let them be the servant of all. And so as a Jesus church, we're going to be servants. Every follower of Jesus is called to serve the Lord by serving people. You see, that's how we serve the Lord. We serve the Lord by serving one another. By serving people, serving people inside as well as outside the church. It all starts by saying sincerely, Lord, I want to serve you. You know, God doesn't force us to serve him, but he invites us to serve him. I think of that, that beautiful picture in Isaiah where the Lord is, you know, putting out the call. Who will go for us and who, who shall we send? And Isaiah responds. He says, Lord, here I am. Send me. And that's, that's our part. The Lord is calling us. He, he's calling out for those who will serve. Who, who will go for us? Who will serve us? And may we be the ones who say, Lord, here I am. Send me. 
because that's really what Jesus' people do. They serve the Lord. And it all starts by, again, just saying, Lord, I, I want to do something for you, and then stepping into the thing that comes along. And listen, most of the time it starts with small but necessary things. You see, there's nothing in the kingdom that's unnecessary. God doesn't send us off to perform tasks that are meaningless, even though to some they might seem meaningless or unnecessary, even maybe at times they might seem that way to us. But we can know if there's any task assigned to us by God, it's a necessary task, even if it seems so small. But you see, the way God works is he generally assigns us with a small task. And then he gives us larger tasks as we fulfill the smaller ones. As we're faithful, Jesus said, in the small things, he will then give us charge over greater things. And so it begins with giving of yourself. That, that's where it all starts. Giving of yourself. Giving of your time. Giving of your talents. Giving of your resources. And just saying, Lord, here, here I am. And I pray that in this new year, that, that every single one of us who are part of this family, part of this congregation, that everyone would be able to say, yes, I'm, I'm serving the Lord. And, and this is what God has me doing, because that's what it is to be a disciple. That's what it is to be a follower. That's what it looks like when you look at the church as a Jesus church. So that's our first point. We are a Jesus church. Secondly, we are a kingdom-minded church. A kingdom-minded Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, he said this. He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So to be kingdom-minded means that we are not only concerned that our own church is blessed, we want to see all churches that love and honor Jesus blessed. And we want to recognize that we're all one body. And therefore, we want to partner with other churches in our community to see our cities impacted for the gospel. You know, no one church is going to reach an entire community. It just, it doesn't happen that way. It's never happened that way. God doesn't intend it to happen that way. So if, if you know, if there is a church that just gets super, um, just focused on itself, to the exclusion of the other churches in, in the community. That, that church is, 
in the, in the long run, it, it's kind of doomed to ultimately fail in the mission. Because the mission is not that um, our church would get all the glory. It's certainly not that some man would get all the glory. The, the mission is that Christ would get the glory. And Jesus receives the glory as the church, the one body under the one Lord and filled with the one spirit as the church reaches out in, in the community and expands the kingdom. This past year, I had several opportunities to meet with local uh, pastors from our county here. And we had lunches together. We had dinners together. We had times of prayer and worship together. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see how God, I, I believe, God by his spirit is calling his people together. And, and he's calling us to be kingdom-minded people rather than just simply, you know, focused on our own thing. And so building on the experiences that, that I had and that we here had, our, our pastoral staff, uh, with some of the other local churches and their leadership, we, we want to do that into the new year. And um, I've been working closely with a good friend, uh, Todd Proctor, and, and Todd and I have been talking about the new coming year, how we want to continue to develop and, and see us grow in our kingdom-minded vision for uh, the community. But being kingdom-minded also means that we look for opportunities in our communities to display the attributes of life in the kingdom of God. You see, here's the thing that we sometimes forget. The kingdom of God is already among us, but it's not yet fully realized, right? I mean, we know that there's, there's coming a time when um, the kingdom will be fully manifest. That's when Jesus returns. But the kingdom is already here in another sense. And, and we are a manifestation of it. But what God wants to do through the church, and this is what it means to be a kingdom-minded church, is that we seek to manifest the attributes of the kingdom in our current cultural situation. So we as a church, we don't stay uh, cloistered behind the walls of the church, but we take uh, the kingdom vision out into our communities. And we go out and we do works of justice and righteousness and care, and we uh, demonstrate kindness and generosity and mercy. And we do these things for the poor, uh, the stranger, the oppressed, um, these are the pictures that we get in the scripture of what, of what the kingdom will ultimately do, but what it is to be showing itself to be through God's people currently. And so we can serve Jesus and display kingdom life through involvement as kingdom agents 
in social services, education, work programs, any number of other similar types of things. So, you know, it's the idea of we want to infiltrate our communities with kingdom activity. You know, there's an interesting passage in Jeremiah where Israel has gone into captivity in Babylon and they're going to be there for quite some time. And, and, and the Lord says this to them through the prophet. He says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So, you know, rather than be a, a church that like withdraws from society, we are to be infiltrating and seeking the prosperity and the blessing of our communities through these different things that we might engage in because of the abilities and the giftings and the things that God has given us. And, and we can bring a little taste of the kingdom into the present situation. And so that is what I'm talking about when I'm, I'm talking about being kingdom-minded. And like I said earlier, partnering together. And, you know, we do different outreaches and things. And, um, you know, we've been doing this outreach down in Huntington Beach for quite a few years. And we, we will continue to do that. But recently, and we've had a couple of other churches involved with us over the years. But, but more recently, this last time around, there's a, a a church in Huntington Beach uh, called Branches, pastored by a, a great young guy named Andrew. And so we invited them there in Huntington Beach. Hey, why don't you guys come and, you know, get involved with us here a little bit. And they were a little bit suspicious at first. You know, they thought, oh, these guys want money from us. Of course, that's why they're asking us to get involved. And then they found out in the, you know, as time went on that we weren't asking them for anything except, hey, this is your city. We're doing this outreach. Why don't you come and participate in it? And anyway, to make a long story short, they are just so excited for the partnership to be able to work together for the kingdom. And that's what we want to do. That's what it is to be kingdom-minded. And then thirdly and finally, my final point, at least kind of my final point, we are a great commission church. What is the Great Commission? Jesus, he spelled it out for us in Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. And the word nation is ethnos. It means people groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's the Great Commission. We are a Great Commission church. We believe that this commission of Jesus is best fulfilled through preaching the gospel and, of course, to see people converted, come to faith in Christ, and then establishing local churches for the maturing and equipping of God's people to do the work of the ministry in their geographical, social, and cultural context. So the Great Commission as we see it 
Because the Great Commission is not just to make converts, although that's where it starts, obviously, but it's to make disciples. It's to make followers of Jesus. And the apostles, they were the ones who received this commission initially, and they went out, and what did they do? They went out and preached the gospel and established churches wherever they would preach and people would believe. And, and that's what we also have done and uh, will continue to do. And I, I just want to say a few things right now that some of you, you know, a lot of times we talk about things and we just assume that everybody knows this stuff, uh, but maybe some of you don't know this. And so I want you to know this. We are... Not we hope to be, we are today. We are a worldwide ministry. We are not simply a local church. We are that, but we are more than that. We are a worldwide ministry with churches, workers, or ministries in just about every nation under the sun. Now, there are some places that we are not, uh, we don't have churches, but in most places, we have somebody, at least a person who's doing kingdom work, and they're, they're somehow connected uh, back to us. So, like I said, in almost every nation under the sun, we have ministry taking place. We own and operate ministry facilities here in the U.S. beside our facility here, uh, in the UK, Europe, the Middle East, and South America, okay? So we, we own and operate. In some cases, we rent facilities, but, but we do this uh, in these other countries. This is all related to what we do as a church. We offer conferences, training, resources, and church planning assistance through the Calvary Global Network, all over the world, and this is what it means to be a Great Commission church. We've taken that to heart, and we have done what Jesus said. We've, we've gone out into all the world, and of course, this has happened over five decades now. Now, you might say, well, why are you telling us this? And this is why. Because this is as much a part of our calling as anything else we do. This is, this is who we are. And I believe this is who we are because this is who God created us to be as a church. I'm reading a book right now on megachurches. It's quite interesting. Um, and one of the things that is so interesting is how, sort of just how megachurches originate. And I have to say that this one originated much differently than many others. Because Pastor Chuck didn't set out to establish a megachurch. As you probably remember hearing him say at times, he dreamed of a church of 300 people. That was the ideal church. Oh, if I could just have a church of 300. 
But God had something entirely different in mind. And God did something that caused an explosion that produced what we might call today a megachurch. But then God did something else. It started spreading all around the world. Again, without a strategy, without a very, you know, specific, at least at that point, intention that we were going to do this. It was something that God did. And when I got involved myself in the whole mission thing, it wasn't anything I really strategized to do or planned to do. Like I said at the very beginning, I was just putting one foot in front of the other, just feeling like God wants me to go do this. I had no idea what it would end up being. And, and we're still on that trajectory. That, that's what I'm saying. And so, I'm, like I said, I'm telling you this because this is, this is a part of our calling. It's as much a part as anything else we do. And I want us to all understand that so we can all be behind the mission, praying for it and supporting it together and recognizing this is, this is who we are. Now, this means, personally, this means that part of my ministry as the one the Lord has put as the pastor over these things is to travel at times and to uh, give support and encouragement to those ministries. And part of your ministry, since we are all in this together, uh, is to support me in doing that. And what I mean by this is simply this. To support me, I mean that even when I'm not here, you're still here, <laughs> fulfilling your role as a servant of Christ in this church. You see, because if I'm traveling doing this, and I'm not saying any of you are doing this, but you know, some people do. They call the church. Who's speaking this Sunday? Uh, Pastor Brian's out of town. Click. Okay. We won't be going this Sunday. That used to happen when Pastor Chuck was here as well. That is a mentality that we must get rid of. You know, if... Now, I'm not much of a personality, so I don't know why anybody's all like... <laughs> I got to go see Pastor Brian because, you know, he's so dynamic and great. Uh, I understand that in some places because you do have a big personality in the pulpit. Uh, I'm not that. I'm thankful that people get ministered to and encouraged through <laughs> my ministry. I, I'm very thankful for that. But listen, that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to build something around a personality or a person. And... This is what everybody needs to know. Whether I'm here or not, there's always going to be, the word's always going to be being preached from this pulpit on Sunday. If I'm in it, it's going to be preached. If I'm out of town, we have a, a, we have a wonderful pastoral staff. We have guys that are great Bible teachers with, with tons of life and ministry experience. And they've got great things to share. And like I'm saying, we're, we're in this together. And, and even when I'm off doing something else, everybody's still here carrying on the work because that's what it means to be a great commission church. We all have a part and we're going to be faithful to do that. 
And, and you see what we need to understand. And what I, what I want to say right now is that, um, and, and I don't know that this is so much the mentality right now, but it was in the past. I, I think we've in many ways sort of moved beyond that. But if, you know, if you find yourself in a place of comparing like, well, wait, you know, we're not doing it the way we used to do it or Brian's not doing it the way Chuck did it or whatever. You, you have to just get beyond that because of this fact. Uh, we are living in a new day with new opportunities and new challenges and we cannot be tied to doing things the way we used to do them, but they must be done by the leading of the Spirit and recognize that, you know, God's going to do things differently at different times and through different people. And, and we can get really bogged down if we get... Some of you like that idea, I can see. <laughs> we can get really bogged down if we get caught up in that mentality of, well, you know, this is the way we did it, or this is the way they did it, and you're not, you know. Um, no, God, God is doing new things. It's a new world. It's a new time. It's, it's, like I said, there are challenges today that we didn't have five years ago in the culture. It's a different situation. And so we, we just have to be open to the Spirit. And, and listen, just to give you assurance, certain things will always be the same. There are certain things that will always be the same. We are anchored in Acts 2.42. We will always be devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to worship, to prayer. That, that's non-negotiable. That will never change. But everything else is subject to change, and everywhere else we must be flexible so the Spirit of God can accomplish the new thing he wants to do in this generation. So having said that, again, I, you know, because I'm talking about the new year, I'm talking about the things that are uh, ahead of us, and things aren't slowing down. I think you can recognize the devil's certainly not slowing down. He's put the pedal to the metal. He's, he's going faster and harder than we've seen him go in decades. We can't slow down either. We have got to be just as devoted, just as committed, just as diligent. We, we have got to do what God puts before us. And we can't be strapped to, well, back in those days, we did it this way. Great. It's the way we did it back then because that's the way it needed to be done. But this is now, not then. So as a Great Commission church, like I said, we have to maintain that constant flexibility to the Spirit and recognize that we're all, we're all in this together as a Jesus church, as a kingdom-minded church, as a Great Commission church. That, that's the vision. And some of you might say, I don't like that vision. Okay, that's fine. You'll have to figure out what you do with that. 
But that is the vision that God's given us. And that's the vision that we intend to continue to um, be submitted to and to follow the Lord in. And I personally believe that, I know it's a cliche, but I, I really do believe the best is yet to come. I, and, you know, if I didn't believe that, I shouldn't be up here preaching. If I believe that all, it's all over, you know, it, we're done for this new governor coming in, boy. It's going to be rough for us Christians. You know, we serve the living God. And God's on the move. And we're going to just keep believing that. And we're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and trusting the Lord. That even though they're, you know, we're, we're marching through what looks like a barren wilderness, that as we keep faithfully going forward, one day we'll look back and say, wow, look at all this fruit that came. So I'm going to leave you with five simple things to apply. And here they are. Number one, devote yourself to knowing Jesus in a deeper way. This is in the year to come. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you follow him more closely. And remember, you can't do this alone. You got to do it together with the people of God. No one as a Christian is called to be an island. We're, we're part of a body. We need each other. So that means as, as you are seeking to grow in your relationship with Jesus, yes, of course, there's that personal element to it where you engage personally in God's word, but it also means that you have to make sure you're plugged in. You're plugged in to the people of God and, and being in a context where you can come to know Christ in a greater way through the work that he's doing in the people around you. That's number one. Number two, share your faith and invite people to hear about Jesus. Share your faith. Pray and ask God, Lord, give me opportunities to share my faith. You know, you don't have to be a theologian to do this. You have a story. You, you have a story. Just share your story and invite people to come and hear about Jesus. Invite them to come to church. You know, it seems that a lot of people don't do that anymore. It's like, oh, well, people don't want to, oh, they don't want you to do that. Well, you know, in a survey that was taken a while back, it was like seven out of 10 people said, if somebody would invite me, I would come. So just look for opportunities to share your story. You don't have to beat somebody over the head with your Bible. Just share your story about what God's done. Ask them if you can pray for them if they're in a crisis in their life. Invite them. You know, you want to come and hear about Jesus? You know, I, I think of, um, there's, there's two pictures in the New Testament where there's, there's that one moment where, um, my mind's going blank right now, but there, there's the one moment where somebody's challenging, oh, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel's saying that to Philip. And Philip says, well, come and see. <laughs> That's great. Well, come and see. People say, I don't believe in God. Well, have you given it any thought? I don't need to. Okay, well, you know, maybe you ought to come and check it out. You know, just invite people. Come and see. 
Thirdly, give yourself to some consistent faithful service to the Lord. Now do it. Get involved. Don't be a spectator. You're not a spectator. You are a part of the body. So give yourself to some service. You know, we have a ministry of, of going to um, assisted living homes, you know, convalescent homes. You know how many people there are in these homes that would love to hear the gospel and meet Jesus before they leave this world? And, you know, we have a faithful guy and a handful of people that do that. We should have dozens. We should have hundreds of people out doing that kind of stuff. Get involved. Don't just think about it. Don't just sit around. Do something for the kingdom. Give yourself to some consistent, faithful service to the Lord. Fourthly, give financially. Give faithfully, joyfully, and generously to the work of the kingdom. You know, there, there's a kingdom that's coming. And this one, of the, the, the world, kingdom of the world, it's passing. Don't make your investment here. Make your investment in the, the lasting kingdom. Give faithfully, joyfully, and generously. And fifthly and finally, pray fervently. And faithfully for a great work of God's spirit in our time. Just say, Lord, would you do it again? Would you do greater things than we've ever seen you do? Pray that and pray that in faith. And so, Lord, as we are here on this last Sunday of the year, as we're stepping across into 2019 here on Tuesday, Lord, we thank you that we are your people. And Lord, we thank you that we're part of a Jesus church and a kingdom-minded church and a great commission church. Lord, because I think that's what the church in the New Testament looked like. And so Lord, may that not just be information in our heads, but may it be a reality in each and every one of our lives. And Lord, may we see you do greater things in the days ahead than we've ever seen in the past. And Lord, I know that's a big prayer because we've seen a lot of great things, but you're a great God. And you're a God who is still at work. And so Lord, work in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name.